Hebrews chapter 4. Stand with me as we read the Word of God together. Hebrews 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. This is God's Word. It'll change your life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as He has said. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter it. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same spirit of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Pray with me. Father, this morning, I pray that your word would cut through the joint and the marrow, would cut through the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. May your word divide what is good, true, beautiful, and what is evil, false, wicked. Father, use this time to shape us into your image. In Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to very briefly introduce you to a couple of individuals. You might know some of them. You might even be one of them. First, Ron. Ron is a workaholic. <laughs> I had a farmer one time tell me that his father would wake him up every morning. Farmer, father, uh, uh, his son ended up being a farmer. Every morning, his father would wake him up singing, We'll work till Jesus comes. That, that, that's a song for Ron's heart. Ron is all about getting stuff done. He loves Jesus. It's not like he just, it's not like he's devoid of love for Christ. He does, but that's, but he works and he works and he works. <laughs> Ron's problem is that he sees no value in rest. He identifies himself based on his accomplishments, based on his efforts, based on his achievements, based on the things that he aspires to do. And that's where he finds who he is. In Ron's mind, his labor produces God's favor. And since the work of the kingdom ain't done, well, there's no time to rest. I'll rest when I'm dead. Then there's Fred. Fred, Fred works too. 
He's just not very good at it. Fred messes up a lot. Fred identifies himself in his efforts, but because he fails so much, it's a lack of accomplishment that defines him. He's not good enough. And nothing he can do can ever be good enough. If anything, Fred's hurting the kingdom of heaven in his mind more than he's helping it. Ron and Fred are both restless. Ron won't rest. Fred can't rest. And then there's Lou. Lou isn't restless at all. In fact, Lou is lethargic. Lou wants to rest so much that he doesn't do anything. I mean, after all, Jesus paid it all, right? That means he took care of everything. And didn't God say, be still? Lou sits back, lets God do his thing, waits on the Lord, which to Lou just means sit around, and one day God will do it, and it'll be nice when he does. (laughs) Ron, Fred, Lou. Ron views rest as optional. Fred views rest as unattainable. And Lou just thinks of rest as a good excuse to sit around. All of them have missed the promise of God's rest. God made this promise early in the days of Israel. Moses, in the wilderness, he is leading God's people through this wilderness and he begs God, go with us. Make, give your presence to us. Go with us. Show me your way so that I can lead your people. This is what God says to him. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Now, that must have sounded surreal to a man who put more miles on his sandals than most of us put on our cars. Think about it. 40 years of wilderness wanderings after 40 years of shepherding sheep in that same wilderness, after 40 years of being in Pharaoh's court, learning, learning all, the, all the ways of the Egyptians. I guarantee you Moses had a lot of miles on his sandals. So I bet the promise of rest sounded really good to Moses' feet. The rest is represented in this place of rest, this promised land. In Joshua chapter 21, he's summarizing the efforts of the Israelites. He says, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. He talks about how their enemies were not able to withstand them because God had given the enemies into their hands. Do you notice something similar in those two verses? God tells Moses, I will give you rest. And Joshua recognizes, and the Lord gave them rest. You see, rest comes from God. Only God can give us rest. We can't rest in so many things that we try to find our rest in. We try to find our rest in in our work. That if I just do, if I just try harder, if I just get a pay raise, or if I just make that promotion, or if I just get recognized for my efforts, we try to find rest in relationships. If I just find the right person, Mr. Right, Miss Perfect, If I can just find my soulmate, everything will be fine. They lived happily ever after, right? Because that's how the real world works. (laughs) Reminds me, um, sorry, I have a daughter who who is seven now and she loves Frozen. So I think in terms of Frozen sometimes and I think of Olaf singing about how this will make all make sense when I'm older. (laughs) Because when you're older, absolutely everything makes sense, he sings. Yeah, no, it's not really how it works, is it? You see, see, we look for rest in these places. 
We look for rest in, in our work or in our relationships, or we look for rest from our failures. Sometimes, like Fred, we just mess up so much, and we're, we're just desperate for something that can give us hope to do better. So maybe you listen to self-help books or motivational messages. Maybe if you really, really down low, if it's all gone to pot and you're just at the bare bottom, maybe you turn on TBN and you watch someone on there talk about how if you just sow a seed of faith. Can I tell you something? None of those places have rest. At least TBN has Billy Graham crusades every now and then. But none of these places are the places you can find rest. Have you been looking in those places? Have you been looking to other things? Have you been trying to find rest somewhere else other than God? Because only God can give you rest. He's the only one. Our problem often is that we look in the wrong places. And honestly, we look in the wrong places because we just don't want to look to God. Frequently, we find ways to get away from God. Prone to wander the hymn puts it. We, we murmur and complain. We transgress God's laws. We, we look for other gods to worship, sometimes in hideous ways. We disobey God's commands and disdain anyone who dares to call us to account for our wickedness. The author of Hebrews wants to caution us. He says, you look back at the faith, look back at the fathers before you in the faith, the the people of Israel in the wilderness, and what you see is they don't enter the rest because they are disobedient to God. They didn't listen. They didn't heed God's words. And so chapters 3 and 4 is the author of Hebrews trying to warn us and tell us, don't go down that path. Don't do what they do. Don't look for rest somewhere else. And miss the rest that God wants you to have. Instead, he tells us that the promise is still good. Verse 1, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Even now, the promise remains. Verse 6, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, the rest, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of their disobedience, Again, he appoints a certain day today. He's already quoted this multiple times today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Last week we read from Psalm 95. That's where this comes from. He reminds them of of the problems that the Israelites had of, of constantly going against God. And because of that, they are excluded from God's rest. He's warning us. It is kind of funny though. Because when I look at this verse, that today, you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Billy Mays. It reminds me of infomercials on TV. Do you remember, do you remember Billy Mays when he was alive, the infomercials he would do? I can just picture somebody saying, act now, supplies are limited. If you call in the next 15 minutes, we'll double the order. That's not all. I always wondered, how did they know when you called within 15 minutes? I mean, did they, did, did someone, you know that little timer that's on the screen? Did someone else keep that timer after the commercial went away? I don't, how do they know that? <laughs> God's promise of rest is still good today. And this isn't a limited time offer of, of TV type. As long as you have breath in your lungs, as long as you are still alive, this promise still holds good. One day you'll pass to the hereafter 
and I don't mean the same hereafter, would I come in hereafter? Though I do have to admit at 39, I'm asking that question a lot. If that makes your socks feel any better. Um, it's still good today. See, even today, even if you've been seeking for rest in a thousand different places and you have, you have worn yourself out trying to find that rest, can I tell you some good news today? The promise still stands. See, God's rest is a present reality. It's not just future, though, though it is future. There's an element that's here and now. Maybe you find yourself a kindred spirit to Ron. You are a workaholic and you just want to work, 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 and I'll rest when I'm dead. There is part of God's rest that happens today, right now. The rest remains. God beckons us to join him in his rest, to cease from our labors, that, that be still and know that I'm God. You know what that actually means? Stop it! We fight and we wrestle and we, and we move and we work and we cry and we try and try and try and we do all these things to try to earn God's favor. And God's just saying, stop! If you'll just stop, you'll know me. I'll show you who I am. You're too distracted. Now, maybe you're more like Lou. Maybe you rest all the time. Lou wastes his life because he doesn't do anything here and now. It's an interesting con contradiction almost. It's a paradox that we can rest in God today and yet God has something for us to do. But isn't resting not working? Isn't resting not doing? Isn't resting sitting around in the lazy boy watching the game on TV? Isn't that rest? No. Rest is not having to bear the burden but still being free to join God in his work. You see, there's something beautiful that happens when you're doing what God wants you to do. You don't have to struggle and toil with making it work. There are some days at work that are just easy. Work is light. Those days are not usually when we have four or five people calling out. That's not how that works. You see, when there's a bunch of folks missing, you got to carry more of the burden and you feel more of that burden. But when you have someone with you who is good, someone with you who knows what they're doing, someone with you who's bearing the weight of the burden, then your work is easy. Your burden is light. Kind of reminds me of something Jesus might have said once. We cannot be spiritually retired because that's not God's rest. To come to church merely to be fed, that's not resting in God. That's being lazy. But we don't have to bear the burden of making it all work ourselves. That's why the writer of Hebrews, I think, puts it this way in verse, uh, well, he says, verses 9 and 10, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did his. But then he says in verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Strive? That doesn't sound very resty. <laughs> you see, God's rest is a present reality, but it also has present repercussions. You see, God's rest requires something of us. It's not just something we sit back and enjoy. It's something that we participate in. Did you know rest is active? Rest is not passive. Some of us think of rest as passive. Rest is not passive. Rest is active. You see, because in rest, you aren't the one bearing the load. Those words Jesus said, 
come from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Man, we sound that and we think, oh, that sounds so wonderful. How many of you have borne a heavy load? And when you hear Jesus saying, come to me all who weary or are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. How many of you think, yes, God, take all the burden off of me so that I can sit back and relax? That's not what he's saying. Because look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is an instrument of work. Wait a minute. He's told us to rest. He says, I will give you rest. But then he says, now take my yoke on you. Learn from me. See, what happens? In God's rest, we work for God. But he bears the burden. When you are training a young ox, you put them with an old ox, an older ox, an experienced ox, a strong ox who bears the burden of the yoke. And that young ox who's not strong enough, who's not quite big enough to really fit in the yoke, you know what happens to him? He just walks along. But over time, he gets a little bit stronger. He pulls a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And as he grows and as he strengthens, he's able to carry more of the burden because there is a bigger ox, a stronger ox next to him who is helping him with the load. Now, we don't ever take the place of Jesus and become the strong ox. We always have a stronger ox yoked to us when we're yoked with Christ. And that ought to give you some, some good news because you don't have to bear it on your own. That doesn't mean you don't work. You still work, but the work is so much easier because of Christ. Because you know he's the one responsible and I'm just doing what he needs me to do. I'm walking with him. I'm following him. God has made the plan. You don't have to plan it. You don't have to be responsible for making sure all the pieces fit in line. God's taking care of all that. You're not even responsible for the results. You don't even have to worry about how it's going to turn out. All you've got to do is follow Him. All you've got to do is what He's called you to do. That is such a liberating thought. For my yoke is easy. Maybe not for Him, but it is for us. That doesn't mean we don't carry a yoke. It means that he bears the bulk of the burden. When you are yoked with Christ, you don't have to be a Ron doing everything yourself. You don't have to be a Fred worried about how your failures are going to mess everything up. You don't have to be a Lou so lazy you're good for nothing because it's not really you working. Paul tells the Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? Wait, I thought you said it wasn't up to us. Keep going. For it is God who works in you. When we are obedient to Christ, God is the one doing the work in us. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've had a, a difficult situation and you have, you have tried and you've tried and you've tried to handle it. But then one day you hear that still small voice that just says, just do this. Say this. Do this. And then suddenly everything works out. And you're like, the disciples are fishing. All night long, they can't catch anything. Early morning hours. They see Jesus on the shore. They don't know it's Jesus at the time. They see a guy on the shore. And he says, how's the fishing? 
And I say, terrible, we haven't caught a thing. He says, try the other side. Try the other side. Really? Okay. Whatever. We've been fishing all night, but whatever. Okay, just throw it on the other side. Make this guy happy. They can't bring in the load. They got to get help from other boats. It's Jesus. Sometimes you're just fishing on the wrong side of the boat. Sometimes you need to get in the boat and fish. But when we do what God wants us to do, he's the one that's working through us. Because we can't do it. Let's just be honest. We can't. But he can. And he will. When we refuse to obey God, like glue, and we just sit there, and we use all of our excuses as reasons, what we're really telling God is, no, I've got a better idea. When we, like Ron, insist that we do it our way. When we jump ahead of God and we work and we work and we work and we work and we don't even listen to him, we don't even take time to stop and hear what he tells us to do, no matter how much we might love Jesus, we're disobeying God. When we get so caught up in our own failures and mistakes and problems that we don't listen to God, we disobey him. And be sure, whatever we do, we will be found out. For the word of God is living and active. This doesn't just speak to the power of God's word as to how exposed we are to it. You see, I don't know if you know this, the marrow is deep in the bone. If any of you have ever had a procedure where they've had to test your bone marrow, man, the needle they use, that's a scary needle. It's this honking size needle that's real thick and long, and you're like, hey, what? They had to do this to Savannah when she was a baby, and I can still remember, I can still remember just how hard it was to know what she was having to go through. It still kind of makes me sad. That was years ago. God's word penetrates deeper than that. What recess of your brain are you going to hide that wicked thought that God's word is not going to penetrate? What depth of your soul, are, are, what corner, crevice in the bottom of your soul are you going to hide that evil deed that God's word is not going to penetrate to? Where can you hide? You can't. Which means that those Thoughts and those intentions and those things that drive you, that motivate you to either do the work that you're doing or not do the work that you're not doing. It all is laid bare before God. And that is both a scary and a comforting thought. It's so scary when you think about your sins, but it's so comforting to know that he can cleanse even those. That not even the deepest, darkest secrets can be kept from God's cleansing grace. God discerns good and evil, right and wrong, true and false with perfect accuracy. And we will be held accountable for how we respond to God's promises. So on this promise of rest, do we abuse it and do nothing but rest? Do we worry about our own inadequacies and fear that we will mess up his plans? Do we, do we try to work the way that we think is right and completely ignore what he's telling us, then we will not enter God's rest. We will miss his promise. Or do we trust and obey? Do we yoke ourselves with Jesus and work alongside him? Follow his lead, do his will. Do we believe what he says? 
That's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Faith is belief that works. The promise is still valid. It's still there for today, but it only comes by faith. Father, some of us here today need to put faith in you, maybe for the first time, maybe to recognize that they're sinners and that they need your grace. Some of us have given our hearts to you, but God, we need a fresh reminder. We need a fresh anointing of your spirit to follow you, to do what you want us to do. Some of us are weak. Some of us are so worn down and heavy laden that we need to stop and rest. Some of us have been resting so long, we need to get up and work. Some of us need to be reminded that you're a big enough God to handle our mishaps. Whatever the case may be, wherever we are this morning, I pray that your spirit, your word would divide those thoughts and intentions of our hearts, would, would cut asunder the soul and the spirit so that, so that we may know where we stand before you and that we may follow you obediently. Father, use this song, this invitation as a chance to call us back to you. Call us into your rest. We're yours. You do your will. In Christ's name, amen.